Because you think you're a good person You'll tell many lies, eat many lies Because you think you're a good person You'll be under constant to always be right Because you think you're a good person I'll come across as half that Because you think you're a good person I'll come across as bad I'll happily be cast as your villain Happily be cast in any position in your vision even if it's distorted, you know I'm still gonna listen When you look through me with all these truths You see a reflection of what you would like to be When you look through me with all these truths You think you see a reflection of what you would like to be Because you think you're a good person question what do you want because you think you're a good person you will get through your day because you think you're a good person we will all have to pay
Shuffling this deck, I saw this Princess of Wands twice. And I first pulled when I was pulling the Eccentricity card, which I'm going to get around to the Synchronicity around that in a second. But I pulled the Strength card, i.e. the Lust card in the Thoth deck. But then I was like, let me just, I need one more clarifier on this. And I literally, in my head, was like, I bet I'm going to get this Prince of Wands because this deck keeps wanting me to see it. And of course, that's what I pull. So for your trip here, Lacey, <clears throat> Lust, the Princess of Wands, Nudie Kazooty with your hair down, throwing your <laughs> wand into the fire. And this Saturn and Aquarius card, which of course Saturn is an Aquarius right now in the sky. And I was just talking to you about the one thing we share in our chart, which is that degrees of 25 degrees Aquarius. Um, and I was thinking about this card and I wanted to show you this card today because I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. It's kind of cute and goofy. Describe it. Yeah, it's a sort of, um, I guess, a nymph-like creature, a half humanoid, half sea beast holding a tulip laurel and a really beautiful rainbow colored fish is above him and he's in the water but there's also a city in the background yeah it's pink and green and it's got some nice blues and reds too dope i'm in new york i flew out of new york last friday and went back to the mountains of colorado and I just laid there for three days during the eclipse, bled out of my vagina, and cursed the sky gods for banning the feminine to the underworld and to the earth. And I cried, and I watched old versions of me pop up from the ground, asking if I would like to be tempted into my old misery. And I said, maybe... And then I pushed the old timelines away and bought a ticket and flew back to New York exactly a week after I left New York. Yeah, buddy. And thank the divine, holy goddess for Mare, because Mare is sharing her nest with me or lending me her nest in the middle of the city. And what a, like, beautiful, fucking, selfless, gorgeous, one of the greatest gifts of my life. Someone saying, you can stay at my place in the middle of the city. And I have no plans. Mary's not going to be here. I don't really have friends here that I know yet. Um, So let the adventure begun. Okay, so tell us about the cards. What's the lust? Well, yeah, we can talk about the cards. But also New York, as I said, best to be a planless trip. New York is definitely best explored planless because it, the adventures will suck you in. And then you'll have to cancel plans anyways. You know what I mean? So the fact that you came here with that free open spirit, it's like, you already know. Yeah, John Lennon said, life happens when you're busy making other plans. Yes. And then he got shot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just Mary's facial expressions. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's really funny because I feel like all winter the masculine has been screaming at me to make plans. And like men in my life get very angry at me because they're like, what's your plan? As yeah. if the plan makes you more productive. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, 
I hope I love you so much, Sean. But it is a fulcrum of tension in Sean and I's relationship. Um, because he, yeah, he is the man of my life, and he has been screaming about plants. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, and I didn't I, know you guys were experiencing that. Yeah, no, not at all. It, um, and I being such a go with the flow girl like my plan is flow but that's the only thing about it is it's like you think i don't have a plan i have a deep plan yes it's deeper than the days and the months and the weeks motherfucker okay like thank you mayor <laughs> yes. well, this... as mayor says that the lights start flashing in her home we've had um very magical light interactions since lacy's been here <laughs> that's hilarious at my brother's house he has like the smart, you know, lighting or the smart yeah. apartment, which is really good for him because he's disabled. Like, it yes. scares me. Yeah. But it's great for disabled people. Definitely. But when I go there, sometimes the lights just start freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they're telling us something. Like, they're screaming at us a little Yeah. Bit. Well, I don't know if I told you, but the, there was a Philips Hue bulb in there, and it just stopped working on my phone. Like, I stopped being able to connect to it. Uh-huh. And then... Anytime it seemed there, there was a correlation between my mood and the color of the yes. light. And it seems like when I walked in there and I had any sort of negativity, upset, mad, not just red, flashing red. Yeah. Flashing red. And then sometimes just completely clear. Yeah. Yeah. I had this one. It was, I can't remember if this is like a Mars transit. I think this is a Mars transit. And I knew it was going to express itself. In my home, and I think it was, it was, must have been a Mars and Pisces or a Mars and a water sign. And I thought, I went through that day and I thought, wow, I really got away with it. I really got away without this thing expressing itself in a circumstantial way in my life. And I started to get on trips where I'm like, that's what astrology is. It gets existential instead of circumstantial if you know about it, you know? Which is not <laughs> fucking true at all, by the way. <laughs> Still gonna happen to you. Um, but yeah, so in the middle of the night, I get woken up by the sound I guess the sound of running water and the floor under the bathtub of my upstairs neighbor gave out and so water is gushing through my air vent oh. at a like a ty- like a fire hydrant pace you know like oh so my much. gosh <clears throat> and this is one of the first times this happened with the light but I walk in there I try and flip on the light it's just flashing red I slip on the water I break open the bottom of my sink I have a new sink now and as I break it open, I spill this perfume that my mom gave me that she wears, so I've never put it on before. And <clears throat> I try and turn the lights on, and as I am I trying to turn the lights on and I fall, I electrocute myself. So I electrocute what? myself. <laughs> this is the middle of the night too. Oh my God. <laughs> and I just smell like my mother was like the most like Oh my gosh. Um, Wait. So yeah, and that, and then the light relationship just began after that. And I was like, really flashing red, like. That is so wild. Like, sometimes I think our wounds just burst out of us, you know? Like, and it's almost a gift so that you can, it can just be shoved in your face so you can heal them or, like, have the attention brought to them and smell like perfume. Smell and music are the things that bring you back to certain times more than anything, I feel. And I also remember my mom had a very distinct perfume. And I like kind of hated it and hated her for it because I remember she would like 
slather herself with this certain perfume before she would go out on the town with men, you know, and leave me and my brother alone. Yeah. And I remember it was always like a thing where we would like cry and not want her to leave and go out. Yeah. Yeah. So those lust cards. Yeah, those lust cards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say I always have a little bit of a grievance with this deck and this card because I do like the strength interpretation. And Aleister Crowley's masculine penis forward. I'm going to turn this strength into lust and this lady's going to be holding on to like what's halfway between a ball sack and a tongue. I was just a little bit like, okay, like Alice or whatever. But I've grown a little bit more fond of it. It's very graphic. She has the tongue almost as like a lever around the different heads of this beast that she's riding. And then she sort of tits out, hair in the wind, grabbing onto this tongue that's sort of like opening up to the sun. I mean, this card is wild. And I always thought that Crowley was an amazing artist, too. I just found out recently he didn't draw these things. But anyways, he's still magical. I don't mean to be talking any smack. But lust. You had a very lusty time last time you were here. I know. I never talked about it on Horpot, only on the very eighth. Oh, that's right. You blessed us. <laughs> you didn't lust. Yeah. What does lust mean to you? Like, what do you, th- what does the word lust mean? For some reason, there's an attachment of obsessive to desire. Mm. Say more. And I don't know if that's specific to everybody, but it, I don't know. It, like, it, immediately I just think, oh, it's desire. But what, what separates it from desire? To me, lust has an obsessive quality to it. Or a more animalistic or a more instinctual quality to it. Um, but desire also seems deeper. Yeah. Lust seems more shallow than desire. Yeah. Um, it seems more fleeting than desire, too, even. Maybe. <clears throat> Lust feels so juicy. It does feel very juicy. And uh, New York s- feels juicy. Like, New York feels like a giant sauna to me. <laughs> it really yeah, well, you does. did can't come in summer, so it is pretty sunny. <laughs> but, like, it sounds like I'm complaining when I say that, but I'm saying it with such love and reverence just because sweat is such a healthy part of our body. Tell people what I told you in our first... So Mare had her energy reading with me before I met Mare, before Mare was part of the very ape thruple. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a reading with her and like... In a way, I'm, like, cringing. And, like, when you're, like, this is what you said to me in the first few seconds, I'm, like, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't mean to be corrective or whatever. But I also said it clearly – I mean, we're always channeling, so I I actually don't like using that language. If you were channeling, we're always channeling. But you clearly were channeling a high frequency and something that was bigger than you and moving through you. And I think that's probably most of what's going on when you're doing energy readings. But you have those moments where your human slips in and then you, like, hold on to those moments where you're like, oh, I am being, like, limited in my definitions or placement with people or whatever. So, yeah, it's like you're putting yourself in a position for somebody else where their karma is like working out around you instead of it being about you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good at stepping away. Yeah. And like letting it move through my body. But it's almost like I have to rent out my body to be able to do energy readings. Yeah. Which is so wild. It's really wild. And I like, I feel so blessed though, because 
I've only done readings for like dope ass fucking people. Like, and I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> like, like really, I just thought I would at least get like a few real bummers in there, you know? Yeah. And there's some darker readings. There's some more painful ones. There's some more traumatic ones. Yeah. But honestly, it, it was such a beautiful, like, like, I feel like it was almost like a love affair or like a dance. Yeah. But I don't know how sustainable, like, renting my body out is. Because it really, like, my body has to be a clear, open vessel. Like, I can't smoke weed the night before. Right. (laughs) Like, I can't. Right. Like, it's a very, like, monk lifestyle in a way. To do it clean. To do it clearly. Yeah. Um, And I'm not saying I'm a monk. Yeah. I'm just, Just on the life path of one. Say more about that. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I wish I was more well-versed in numerology, but I do know that the path of the seven is the path of the monk. And I think there's something about spiritual journeying and that and the internal journey. And I mean, that's what those superpowers are, is like this crazy intuition and being able to tap into me. It's so many data points. Like I'm always, I'm already dealing with a lot of data points without having that being one of my powers like without feeling other people's bodies in my body yeah um yeah i just can't imagine like how you calibrate your own balance without all of that because you have so many other things affecting you i came here tonight and mayor gave me a living room concert where i laid on the floor with her dog as he was farting in my face (laughs) and I was taking large inhales. (laughs) The New York City feels like the throat, you know, the poets, the singers, the the acting, the theater. It's like the expression from the throat. You know, growing up in London too, I found also has this specialness that I think you're talking about in New York where uh, the value of individualism, as much as we're breaking down separation consciousness, actually give so much space for human evolution on like a psyche level on a love level um because again it it takes that first person just stepping a little bit outside of the bounds to move the bounds at all and when that's not at the forefront of what your culture values of course you're not going to do it because it's always scary even if it is at the forefront of what your culture values it's a scary thing to do um and i think new york and london also hold a really beautiful culture of promoting individual which seems negative but it's like not in an artistic sense you know yeah it's hard to explain like but when we allow the individual to be the individual we are creating a stronger community it seems like it would be the opposite and I don't have words to really describe it when you allow someone to be free in who they are you're making it safer for each Mm -hmm. of us to live in community yes and I think the more that people explore the differences in themselves the more that they can understand the similarities in each other um, and the complexity in each of us that exists in every moment, but then the complexity that also blooms and grows over time and the natural state of how it is to exist as a human, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it is something, and it's, it's the Aquarius topic, collective, individual, that's the Aquarius topic. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be focusing on right now, 25 degrees of Aquarius, your North Node, my Saturn, <laughs> here we are, 
the collective question, how to be an individual, how to serve the collective, how do those things come up against each other, how do they serve each other. Um, it's something I'll probably try to answer the rest of my fucking life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was sleeping and I heard my guides like really loudly say, pay attention to your north node. Pay attention to your north node right now. And I don't, I don't really know what it means. And I felt like they were saying all of us need to pay attention to our North Node right now. Yeah, it seems to be something in mainstream astrology that isn't talked about. I mean, I guess mainstream astrology is really just sun sign centered. But the North Node does seem to be more prominent in the collective consciousness in the forefront right now as far as people understanding its prominence and how important it is in the effect of your birth chart. Um, it's not a planet. It's like a mathematical equation of gravitational pulls on your moon. And the moon is something you could study for lifetimes and lifetimes. <clears throat> super, super interesting because it's closest to Earth. So it's transmuting all the energy from the other planets down to Earth into you. Um, just recently, I've been thinking a lot about it a lot more as the unconscious versus the sun being the conscious. People usually describe it as your reactions, and I think that kind of lines up with an unconscious thing, too, because you react from an unconscious place. Unfortunately, um, my moon is in Aries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you have a wonderful Aries moon. Honestly, Aries is my fave, so I'm very pro-prejudice. <laughs> You're the only one my who's face, ever I, I said that. <laughs> I don't have any of them in my chart, so I, like, I just I love to laugh it up when I get to be around it. But yeah, your north node... Where you're headed, that's supposedly what the whole gist is about, is where your karma is headed. Um, I sort of think about it to where grace will enter your life, because of where your karma is headed, you align with that, and that's how things will become easier, or feel like the path of least resistance. And your south node is supposedly the knowledge and karma you accrued in the past life, which you could even interpret if you're not into past life stuff just earlier in your life like if I looked at my chart it seems like your south node is like what you started off to be pretty good at and then as your life progresses you seem to be focused more on this north node pull and they describe it also as a dragon and I wish we had like another Vedic astrologer on all the time so I can ask some Vedic questions but the head of the dragon is the north node the tail of the dragon of course is the south node and there's supposed to be an insatiable hunger around this point Around the north node. North node, yeah. Uh, something you'll always have to be feeding, but you'll never satisfy. And mine is the mustache. The mustache. <laughs> <laughs> the mustache. The uh, quivering dancer's legs, remembering dances yes. in the night. That's another good one, too. Yes. Rosie was talking about this energy of soul retrieval. Yeah. And that... I don't think she said this, but I just see it as we've been living in the third dimension, which is fragmented our souls, our soul into many energies that's kind of spread out all over the place. And I almost feel like all of us are the gods, the autonomous beings are sort of all going on their own soul retrieval journeys right now. And picking up different fragments of themselves. And some are doing it on a subconscious level. And some are very much doing it on a conscious level. And one's not bad or good. But I didn't realize I was on a soul retrieval. Like I healed with my family. 
right before coming to New York. And then I like did some sexual healing, which was a fragment of my soul. Yes. Getting back on stage, picking up a fragment of yes. my soul. You know, even me being in the, your home. Tell people what I said in the first two seconds of your reading, if you want. You're addicted to amphetamines because your mom was overstimulating and you can't get enough of that frequency. God, that makes me feel so guilty. <laughs> then you that was me- exact, but that's what I'm saying. Like I, That was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly what I needed to hear. If you had said it any other way, any less potent, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's literally, I think when we read energy, it's not of the mind. Yeah. Like it's really of the body. Yeah. And then words come out. Because if yeah. I would have thought about that, I would have never said it that way. You know? But I'm so glad you did. Yeah. So it's weird like that. Yeah. Do you believe in superpowers? Yeah, of course. What What do you What do you see superpowers are for just like the general population? Do you think everyone has them? What do they look like? Everyone definitely has superpowers, and they look like usually. <clears throat> I don't want to say something quite as broad, shark, or cliche as their weaknesses, but whatever hurts you the most, whatever you have the most fear with with yourself is probably where your superpower lies it's one correlation i found with them because um, our energy tends to work on fulcrums of focus and uh their superpower will be wherever you have a bunch of energy focused and so usually <clears throat> the earlier years of your life you'll have a really hard time dealing with that focus because there'll be so much energy being asked to move through it does that make sense at all yeah but be more specific yeah, I do love talking broadly. <laughs> um, yeah, different people. I mean, you have superpowers. You have a superpower to be feeling people's ailments in your body. Because, like, I'm psychic. I can feel people, and I feel people. I'm but not like you. Um, and I think, I mean, it, it's it's any it's any skill set, but it can be amplified. And I do think we're coming into dimensions where we're learning off of each other faster, yeah. and we're becoming each other faster, and we're teaching each other our superpowers faster just by being around each other. Yeah, like shape. You mentioned shape shifting with me, and that's something that I know if we got into higher dimensions, I could do on a really crazy level. And that's something that when I took acid and experienced being able to see out of other people's bodies as, as being a part of that weird thing about being able to hop into other people's bodies. Not necessarily letting them hop into mine, which is, like, different, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> when I read people, I don't feel like they're hopping into my body. It's, like, really confusing to explain. Yeah. It's, I, I think that superpowers have so much to do with unity. Yeah. And that this illusion of separateness has separated the masculine, separated the feminine, separated the sun the moon, the earth, the underworld. But as we're raising in dimension, it's sort of like the sun, the moon, the world, the underworld are like coming into like level plane. And when we use superpowers, we have to unify with what we're working with. Like I feel like I could tap into you being on Adderall because we were in unity. Unity. (laughs) Together as one. (laughs) 
we united on a higher dimension. Yeah. Where I feel like we were telepathically speaking on a higher dimension. I don't feel like you came in my body necessarily, but I do feel like I have to sort of rent my body out to go on to these higher dimensions to feel it. Yeah. But there has to be like this sort of consent and this energy of unifying with someone. And that's why when someone's like on drugs, depending on the drug, it can be really hard to like break down that wall of separation. Some drugs build up the wall more while others, you know, others are like God drugs where we become unified. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why acid's great. Um, I mean, that is, I think that's a key component of understanding a superpowers, I think is even like too convoluted of a, of a word to even use to describe it, but it is the loss of self when it happens and it feels more again, like a divine channeling. Um, and I don't even know what that means when I'm saying that, but it's almost like there's a lack of self that causes the power to come in because there's a connection. Yeah. To the ever roaring powers that be i mean jesus fucking christ yeah and the first time i experienced this was really probably as a dancer performing and having a couple times in my life on a bunch of acid uh where i didn't feel like i was moving my body at all something was moving me yes and those really broke down my spiritual veil because i mean you can't you couldn't deny that you couldn't deny sensations you know totally in flow yeah yeah and but it was because there was a lack of of my control and my presence. Like I was having so much fun that the people around me, I was more focused on their energy and channeling their energy. And the, the, you know, again, like you said, the unity of it and less about my own expression of it. You know, Yeah. You can really ride the wave of other people's frequencies yes. and it can be so fun. Yeah. And that's what worship is too. It's other yeah. people's frequencies to one thing. Yeah. And you as the dancer, they were worshiping you and you were, you know, harnessing the energy even if you move something with your mind if you move an animate object with your mind I don't know what it is about traveling or changing elevation that makes me not be able to speak but when you move something with your mind you're literally unifying with the object and clearing your body so it can become a vessel to move the object I really wonder about levitation as a superpower because since I was little, I've had this reoccurring dream and I'm always in a friend's backyard and the friends change. And I think you guys were in my dream doing this this last week. But what happens is like I'm hanging. It's always like a very positive, high vibe dream, hanging with friends in the backyard. And then I start levitating and I always say the same thing and it's See, guys, I told you I could do it. <laughs> Look. And I like get so happy in the dream because it's like I remember that I can levitate and I'm so stoked and it feels so real. And then my friends do it with me and then we're all just like floating in the air and I'm like, fuck yes. But yeah. when I think about it through the mind, I'm like, that's such a pointless <laughs> superpower. You're just floating. I have that dream all the time, too. You do? Oh, yeah. I have levitation dreams all the time. What does levitation mean? I guess I'm the Virgo in me, the something in me. I'm like, tell me the meaning. Yeah. Tell me the purpose. But I do think it's something that's going to come in higher dimensions. It's like, 
just like how the aliens can travel here from like very, very far away, there's something that we can connect so deeply with space and time where it becomes less important. Yeah. Like gravitational forces, like we become more of a gravitational force and perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think levitation is definitely something that you could acquire. And yeah, I don't like, it's a funny way to be critical about like who, what is that doing for anybody or whatever. But I think at that point, like the levity of body, like the lack of density and what that's going to bring. I don't know. And maybe this is all just like convoluted distortion, fragmented understandings of what it is to become a spirit after you're dead. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. I just, all I know is in the dream, there's just that feeling that I don't know if I ever really feel in life. And it's like, it's like, yes, this is what it's supposed to be. And I'm yeah. like telling my friends like, yes, see, like, I have yes. ones like that flying too. Flying. Yeah. See, and I've never and flown. And it's less of like a flying, like a bird, but it's more of like a levitating. And I can, it's just almost every dream. And I can almost flap my arms. Like I can control gravity, but it's not this like instant thing. It is like this process of almost like believing that I'm going higher. And then you keep believing that you're going higher. And it's like yes. this pr- process yes. of like not doubting yourself. And you know that the second like a, a, a little splinter of doubt comes into your unconscious, you drop your gravity a little bit. Like I experienced that in the dream. Oh my God, Mary. Yes. I'm like oversimplifying the dream because I don't want to bore in details about my dream. But I literally kind of flap my wings or my arms too. Like I don't see it as flying, but I'm just like pushing down. And it's almost like I'm trying to tell this version of myself, this physical version of myself in the astral realm, how I can do it. Because I'm like walking myself through it yeah. does that make sense yes definitely and then totally. i'm like okay when you wake up you're gonna remember right maybe we're gonna levitate tonight oh yeah <laughs> I, you know my i dream of doing it on stage in front of a big crowd sometimes too and sometimes i think like oh it's more possible again when a bunch of people are watching you right the worship and putting the harness of the energy because we can curse and bless people exactly exactly i'm just so obsessed with this energy now like we all know that like prayer matters our thoughts (laughs) matter (laughs) positive thought but i just like this this is very simplistic and basic but i'm just like Oh my God, my friends are literally blessing me. When I was so scared to go to my families, like my friends were praying for me and doing ritual and magic for me. And it was a fucking miracle that occurred. And I don't think it would have happened if my friends weren't blessing me. Yeah. And that's why it's just so important, like who your fucking circle is. No, well, I was just about to say, this is, you're you're hinting on my new um, shadow, which is paranoia. And why I keep my friend group so small is like, I can get hyper paranoid about what my friends are. Yeah, yeah, just that. Like the cursing and the blessing and knowing how out of control most of us are with our thoughts and how not all of us are practiced in the, the Pisces superpower of praying for ourselves and being aware, you know, in that kind of a way, which I think of again with our baby boy Jesus um yeah uh and then you think about the crazy game of fame so I think about this a lot too and like how how there's that theory that people get solidified like the moment you get famous yeah um and I like wonder what that's about you know like it feels like it stunts your growth somewhere but it seems like it's because 
people are writing your story. Now you have like not just your family writing, you have like hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people writing your story for you. And you came in as this one archetype, just like you said, and people make their assumptions and they choose a label. And then of course they're going to keep writing it. And I think some people have transcended that through artistry and being able to like remodel themselves and go through their own death processes and stuff. But it is interesting. It's like the more reflection you get, it seems like the more you would change, but it also like causes its own kind of solidification because now you have all of these imaginations imagining what you said you wanted to imagine yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. for yourself. And it's crazy because like it's not just black and white either because I have this, maybe it's my Aries moon, but there's this internal rebel in me. Yeah. So sometimes I actually thrive when I am surrounded by people who don't think I'm shit. Like my family, you know, I became who I am sort of in spite of them at times. And I thrived like they said I wouldn't be good in school. I graduated valedictorian. I doubt I would have ever done that if they didn't put that darkness on me. Does that make sense? But then I sort of got addicted to that negative cycle. So I would seek out partners and friends who would criticize me more than the ones who would bless me because I thought the only way to succeed was to first go to the darkest timeline and be with people who reflected the darkest timeline. And I think that's that actually worked really well for me, but now I'm evolving out of that cycle where I can be surrounded by people who hold the highest timeline for me yeah no I relate to that really hard um doing stuff in spite of your family like my father recently showed his support for some of my art like being a musician like calling me a musician and it's made me so uncomfortable ever since that moment of time just like that's just ringing in my head and the sense of responsibility and weight that has ensued in my life versus just like no everybody doubting me and me doing that in the face, you know, everybody doubting that that's an easier road as well for me to take. Um, but it's interesting you say that like about your family and thinking about like the darkness they wrote for you and other friends. And this may not be true for your family, but a lot of times people that are giving you a hard time to your face are blessing you behind closed doors. Mm. Seriously. And usually the people that are blessing you to your face are the people that are cursing you behind closed doors. Fuck. You know, you want to be your... Fuck. And that's why... Yeah. That's the the easiest way to become Mary's friend is be mean to me right off the bat. I gotta keep you around. (laughs) No, I know. You don't put up my bullshit? Perfect. You you have to stay, you know? Yeah. I know. That's how I am too. But I I don't know. I want to move out of that a little bit. We all have shadows and we all have parts of ourselves that we do want to hide and... um. Yeah, I was just going to ask you before you were saying, I know, I know it's shedding during this period if you felt like that was all of you, because I think it's like that's a part of you. And I don't know, I don't know what to do with that part of you, because it's like we don't want to kill it. We don't want to get rid of it. We do want to bring it closer, you know, and find out what its aversion to love is and why it doesn't want to come to the light. Yeah. It's mainly what it's about. It's like not even, it's like less about the love and more about the hiding. Almost, you know, just like you were saying, like the greatest affection or intimacy is being seen. 
No, just, yeah, you were trying to channel the part of yourself that has that backlash when somebody looks at you and feels affection towards you or feels admiration or... Yeah, I feel like they're going to hurt me. I feel like... Is that that it? You feel like they're going to hurt you? Kind of. I don't think it's it. Like, I don't think it's like they're going to hurt me, period. Yeah. But I think... Oh, yeah, I think... The people who've hurt me the most were telling me they loved me Mm -hmm. as they were hurting me. You know what I mean? I think we think we get hurt by strangers or predators or the other race or like the person on the subway. And it's like, no, it's the people who are tucking you in at night. Definitely, It's your family. It's the people who are supposed to love you the most. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a group of all ages in here. Yeah. And I don't experience the personality so much in age like you do. Like, I'm aware there's an eight-year-old there. And there are different eights. I remember stuff being really dark. Yeah. Just consciously. And starting, like, suicide and going into the kitchen and grabbing a knife and, like, wanting to cut myself out of my skin. Yeah. um, That's kind of when I I think I started to throw up, too. It's around eight. And maybe it was seven. I can't remember. So little. It's interesting. It's around a Jupiter cycle. It's less of an age... Different versions of me ages that come up and really more of the masculine and feminine or like the father or the mother that comes up as far as like like these different parts of my personality that I know can be abusive and come out and like shut me down. Yeah. Uh, And at the same time, they're the same parts of my personality that like make me laugh during the day. (laughs) You're very funny. It's a complex relationship, so <laughs> I've uh, yeah, I've definitely learned the, to avoid the language, I guess, of of death specifically when I'm talking about different parts of me. Like I'm always dying and being reborn, of course, but uh, I I don't I don't try and go down these paths of like I want to solidify like a definitive personality and like get rid of it in my life because I do I am every woman. I'm and sorry. That is my goal. I told I called you this week and told you to have a funeral for a certain version of yourself. Yeah. And it's part of the, like, dying and, and, and shedding and stuff. Uh, but but the reality is, like, I think I understand that, like, and I could be wrong about this, but this is what I hear every time I hear stuff like that. It's like, I, I think that severing is an illusion. And yeah. I think it's important for people to hold illusions, to hold sanity. But sometimes for me, it's like, I know there's, I can never get rid of her. Yeah. I know it's, at, like, it's always going to be, like, you know, yeah. that's always going to be who I am. And I think there's just like a recognition of that with me that I'm, that I know. Uh, and I spent a long time through therapy and different people giving me the advice doing that, like drawing my demons and like very externalization of things. And I found it's just a little bit more helpful to bring those parts closer and ask them. I sound so fucking pretentious right now. No. And I'm not always like the golden child. I'm honestly Satan incarnate, but like, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. And I felt like I saw it so deeply. And then when I was on the phone with you, I was like, I don't think she's supposed to do this at all. But then I had already planned to tell you. So then I was just going with it. But as I was telling you, I was like, yeah, we're not going to necessarily, you're not going to lose that person. But I don't. Like, I want to, but I think I've spent a lot of time trying to do that. Yeah, and because I'm so shape shifting, it seems like oh, I'm this now, and I can just like get rid of the other thing. And I've definitely come to realize that it's like those those personalities are even bigger than me. <laughs> it's like these yeah. weird things that I'm tapping into, you know. And I like to say that I even have the power to get rid of them is almost ridiculous. It's like it's an illusion that I could even. 
yeah. disconnect from that part of the multiverse that apparently like is connected to me. I don't know. Yeah, and sometimes like the funeral thing works really well for certain energies, and sometimes I'm just trying to think of it in the energy of like witchery, right? Because it's like life, death, life, death, and we hold sort of funerals and ritual for death, but we don't. We know it's not gone. You know what I mean? We're not saying it's not there anymore. Like yeah. like having a ceremony for a part of you that's dying is not really getting rid of that part. Yeah. But but I don't yeah. know how to make that make sense energetically. Yeah. No, I think it does make sense. I think we're kind of coming to an interesting point in our relativity, which is that we both consciously play with magic and you could maybe say ritual, but I have a deep aversion to what would be called ceremony and traditionalist practices of spellbinding and such. Yeah. Because, again, it's almost like the complexity of everything that's happening seems to be unreducible to a performance. And I understand yet the power of performance, you know, yeah. And the power of ritual. And uh, you know, whatever rebel part of your personality, it comes out in me with traditions and my aversion to them in such an extreme way. And uh, it kept me away from spirituality and magic like my whole life because I was so religious averse. Yeah. Freaked me out. Going into church just freaked me the fuck out. Like I've never been so freaked out as walking in a church. Like I just felt this like deep nausea and like coming from like my pelvis, not like my stomach, you know, like this weird like, ugh. But the more that I think about it and think about where that sensation stemmed from it, because it, it still happens when I see churches and I, I giggle now a little bit is how the uncomfortable feeling comes out. It's either like, you know, it's a, it's a laugh. And it's really, it feels like a misunderstanding because it feels like you think, like you think you, the tower is bringing you close to God, you know, like what a ridiculous idea. And it's like the, the, uh, materialist aspect of it and the physical aspect of it and the traditional aspect of it, which always seems to be missing the present moment because it's stuck in the past, like always seems to be missing the point of spirituality to me, which seems to be like ever present and non-definitive by nature. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with what you're saying. And I don't know if I can explain this well, but what I see is that religion bastardizes occult ritual yeah but like occult ritual i don't do occult ritual i'm not part of the occult yeah um and and i'm not like against people who are part of the occult but i think people get very confused when i say ritual because they assume occult ritual and occult ritual um is very similar to religion yeah and it's different magic than I use. Yeah. I, I do ritual in sync with nature. Yeah. Or the goal is to be in sync with nature, not that I am in sync with nature. Yeah. It's to try to align my body with the cycles of yeah. the earth and the galactic. Yeah. And I don't even like read occult books. I don't study occult magic. And I think I've never, I talked about it on my Patreon, but it's, it's a little confusing to explain the difference. Yeah. No, I think I understand. Um, and I like, I, I, 
I think I knew that about you. And like the death thing right now with this Scorpio eclipse and this death energy that we're all in. Because you were talking about a lot of rebirths and I was going to have that be part of our conversation. I feel like I'm not even there in the rebirth place yet. Like I'm still in the death card. It's very much still Scorpio seasonal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, um, but when I was talking about my anxieties with you and my my self hatred and the the stuff that I was going through, and it um, ceremony seems like the answer, and it's because that process is happening, and you can tell I'm denying it happening, and that the performance of it brings it into full consciousness and yes, full effect of like, well said. Here it is. Yeah, there you can experience it. Let the time pass because it's going to express itself no matter what. And I'm, I keep running around it. And the yes. ceremony is like this full honoring of like, okay, here's your fucking moment. You want this old person of me to go? Here you go. You know? Yeah. And sometimes I think um, it's not just, yeah, like it's probably not even just for us, but also for things around us to be perceiving like, here I, you know. Yeah. And when, and like when you do the ritual, not you, but yeah, like. anyone. Yeah. It's about offering too. Yeah, yeah. So you give an offering. Yeah. And then you sacrifice, like, either a living thing or a part of yourself. Yeah. You're like, I'm, like, forcing ritual on you all the time and you don't even like ritual. I'm, like, tell, in the very ape, I was like, we're going to sacrifice something to get to keep you around? It's good. <laughs> I need different parts of my personality <laughs> yeah, to come out. That's you really know what funny. I mean? And my... I, yeah. I know my anti-authority, anti-traditional stuff is is corrosive in the way that it's, like aggressive towards everything or whatever you know like i can yeah. be very like it's it's so it's so it's the few and far between stubborn headedness in my personality that i want to burn away and i like it because i do understand performance and i do understand having to move through the energies that are that are going to be moving in a certain direction so and you just fucking performed you're a performer <laughs> yeah. I like, you yeah. were doing ritual this whole time yeah but truly like i'm not saying that lately you just did magic ritual when you were writing and like you were writing a song in real time that's channeling you know the lights were flickering on and off <laughs> like you created a totally different vibration yeah. through your performance and i am i wish i remembered the line you just said a few minutes ago about that the performance sort of actualizes what's already happening that you're yes. running away from yeah. and when you said that like a light bulb moment just went off for me because i'm like that's why i do poetry like poetry is stupid <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like that's i kind of like that it's stupid it's yeah. like it's not necessarily like like song is beautiful like you can make money through song. It's so cool though. It's dorky. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if cool is the right I don't word. Know. If you're a good poet, you're like the coolest person on the planet. But I think there's a wide barrier to entry. You're basically like nerdy until then. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So you get to be like the best. Yeah. Um, I like the nerdy poets, <laughs> but um, nerds are my favorite. Yeah. I'm a nerd. But you just totally lit me up inside because I was like oh I perform it to actualize it I perform it to transmute it Mm -hmm. the poetry is the ritual going to a stupid poetry slam is the ritual because I couldn't tell my truth yes and now I can tell it just to let it out of me so I'm not running away from it because although I'm a very feeling person as you know astrologically Virgos aren't necessarily the best at expressing our own emotion. Yeah. But the yeah. the ritual, the performance 
can exude that expression to release it. Oh, absolutely. And then the, there's that part of the ritual with performance. And then there's the reverb part of the ritual perform with performance where you get to hear all the resonance and the dissonance and that resonance and dissonance is its own sort of rituals um, that lights you up inside, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really believe in, in, uh, in, in performance ritual and, and just like the ritual of presence um, because when you bring presence to anything, everything is ritual. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot with sex too. Like I think a lot of people have sex. It's not sex because they're not present. You know, it's basically mm-hmm. just like using somebody as a tool for masturbation, which is like fine in its own thing. And you can do your own whatever. Um, cause I think the le- the level of presence, the level of intimacy that presence brings in a sexual healing experience, the amount of seeing this with your shadow and your light and all of it. Um, it is something that's like paralyzing to people. Yeah. You know, obviously. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you say, what does it look like when someone's not present in sex? Um, I just, like any other situation, I know we separate sex into its own realm and I guess it is, but it's just like, you know, when somebody's in the room with you. Yeah, and you, but sometimes we don't. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah, we I mean, don't I think know it's when curse. someone is present. Yeah, you know, and I think it's not always good to have the level of awareness that I do, maybe psychically, with what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I think I've been really lucky in my life, and so it ne- hasn't necessarily been, um, like an issue, but I've experienced it, and I. It can be traumatizing. Uh, and I know that sounds like so dramatic, but um, I think when you're really vulnerable and intimate with somebody and they're not there, it can be pretty horrifying just like as a soul. And it's amplified in the realm of sex and when you don't have your clothes off and you feel naked and afraid. Um, but it's like any scenario. And I think it's just amplified uh, in that realm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because um, I do. I'm, I have this like strong belief that like anything can and will get you off, and if you're present with it, you know, because dynamics are exciting and chemistry is exciting, and it's much bigger than like these shallow definitions of what we we could describe as our desires are attractive because our desires are so much more complex than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, I just like there's so much fun to be had with the healing and, and the presence. And uh, I don't know why it continues to be like a topic of conversation I feel like I need to talk about. But because uh, it's free, it's like free and something that the government can't take away from us. And I'm like, we can all be accessing this crazy, high dimensional healing, crazy, like soul shattering sex with each other. Um, if we could just be a little bit more present. And get excited about the simpler things in life and uh, being with somebody and the fact that somebody's excited about you and all these things that we're like so utterly jaded on as humans, which sucks because there's like not that much to enjoy here, you know. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much to enjoy, like Mowgli and his farts. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That too. (laughs) The last podcast I did, there was a baby in the room and she kept farting. That's the baby cute. and it was, it was so a, loud a, on the mic that's yeah, so cute so loud. that is hilarious 
No. Did you hear when we had Magic the Pug on and she was like... <laughs> no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, but what you're saying about presence and sex, you said it's like the worst thing to have sex with someone who's not present. It's, yeah. And I... How do I know I you have a different opinion about it. No, I don't. I think that it's the worst thing, but <laughs> I didn't realize that I was having sex with someone who wasn't present because they were so good at the physical act of sex. Yes. And I, that's what most people are paying attention to. Right. It's like the coming. Like yes. this person figured out. All your tricks. Yeah. Tools of the trade. And, and it doesn't even feel. Of Lacey. <laughs> but it doesn't even feel like my tricks. It feels yeah. so not personal. Yeah. It feels like a really great vibrator. Yeah. And a mimicking of love. Yes. And I don't even know if I believe in the archetype of the narcissist necessarily. I think we can all play that role Definitely. for each other. Definitely. Depending on what's happening. Definitely. But if you do believe in the archetype <laughs> of the narcissist, they say that they can mimic love and mimic sex really yeah. well yeah. to make you feel like it's the best sex of your life. Yeah. And, and simultaneously, they're robotic in it or yeah. not present. Yeah. And that's so scary to me Yeah, that you could be so vulnerable and thinking you're having the best sex of your life because you're physically getting off, yes. but you're physically getting off with a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the getting off, although it's it fun, it can be infinitely fun in that kind of a process, um, doesn't have all of these other layers and veils and valences of expansion that it could have on it when the other presence is also there and there's like this cycling upward of each other's energies where you're going deeper and then higher and then deeper and then higher, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause you like, just like masturbating is fun, right? Like you can get yourself off and like your body can get off in this way. That's just exciting. But there are other dimensions to sex when you're both present. Um, yeah. That, and it's hard to even compare the other thing to it because it starts to feel so magical and so different that, yeah. Um. And being present during sex doesn't mean necessarily the most blissed out sex no. at first. Yeah. I think if you're present long enough, like if you're in a relationship with someone and you're present long enough, you can build up to the bliss. But when yeah. you, like in my sexual experience last week, <laughs> uh, um, we were very present with each other and it was yes. like awkward when we were present with each yes. other. But that awkwardness was the beauty of it. Yes. That awkwardness was the love in it. Not that like we're strangers. That was a one night, sacred one night stand. But there was, there was like a love and respect and a presence with each other as humans. But it only could be that because we embraced the awkwardness and the uncomfortability around it and held space for each other, like processing. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like somehow you both were able to do that because you were able to hold this. There needs to be like a goofiness almost to, yeah. to do it, to be present yeah. with somebody and to be that vulnerable. Like there needs to be that silly vibe because we're silly, like we're innately silly. 
and the way that we want to be seen and the way that we feel seen and we all feel all of that when we're around each other you know and um. (laughs) (laughs) for some reason I'm remembering I had this sex experience once where I was trying to like be a good lover for my partner and I like read like I don't know like a sex tip in like a magazine or something perfect and it said to take a grapefruit and put it (laughs) to like cut a grapefruit or a citrus and put it around the dick and then like eat or suck the citrus off Wow. So it's like, I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, why are you putting a piece of fruit on my dick? <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> and he wasn't like even seeing the silliness. And it really, yeah. he was just like, what's with these tips and tricks? <laughs> like, we just get down to business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people are coming to the table, though, is not in this, like, intuitive, like, what does my partner need? Like, what turns them on? They're, like, reading Cosmopolitan. They're, like, they'll fucking love that. I'll just stick my finger up their ass and whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Does Cosmo even exist, though? I feel like it's... Can't never dies. Yeah, (laughs) never dies. Now it's like sex memes. Like do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I could say about it public. I wish I had more language about it. Um, And I wish I, I, because I, yeah, I wish I had like pathways for people to escape if they are feeling trapped. And if even if they're on the other side of this, like if you're somebody that can't be present sexually because you've locked yourself in this realm where. It has to be this, like, you have to travel far away to this one scenario and this one circumstance at this one moment in time, and that's the only thing that'll release you. Like, I wish I had the key to let you out of that, too, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, because I know it's not just like, oh, you're a victim of people that don't have present sex. Like, no, people that don't have present sex are, vic- are victims of themselves. You know, like, it's, 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 it's not like, uh, they're trapped, you know, and that's, that's why they're not present. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I, I just want, of course, everyone to feel happy and vulnerable and like they can show all their stuff. And <laughs> I don't know what the pathways forward to that are, you know. I've had yeah, to that's... claw my own way out of my own prisons too, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask is like, what's the answer? Do we all just start having sex with each other? <laughs> on one, <laughs> on one, that could be so traumatizing too, though. No, I was just going to say it'd probably be more traumatizing than anything. Um on one episode recently, I had Mala on, and Mala's a sex worker in the Bay, and... Oh, I haven't heard that one. She's really cool. I think you would love her. I'll definitely she's listen definite, to it. She's so cool. Um, but Mala and I were talking, and we're like, we need, like, a witch group, for lack of better words, but... Like, a group of sexual healers that you can go to, and it's, like, literally... But I don't know. Now that you said the thing about ritual in church, I'm like, it could be way traumatizing. <laughs> but I no, see... it's not traumatizing. <laughs> no, what I'm about to say is, like, I'm, like, people who use magic and use sex as ritual to yeah. heal someone who feels sexually traumatized. Yes. Like, sexually, like, give them herbs, yes. rub their back, and then... Yeah. finger them yeah while telling them mantra yeah <laughs> and then yes. having sex with them like yeah. all with their consent but doing it sort of in a group community environment rather than doing it with you're the one person i have sex with because you're who i think about romantically 
more like we're infusing this energy of creation into this one body, this healing. Yeah. Yeah, I go back and forth on the helpfulness of sex, as you say, as a performative ritual act, because I do think that they're like the most important matrices workers out there, sex workers and people that are doing that kind of sexual healing. At the same time, I think at a certain level of consciousness, that can become not as helpful if there's, if there's an awareness about like, okay, this is for performance, this is for healing, and this isn't necessarily like from innate desire because I do, and like color me Virgo, I do think that they're sacred about something sacred about union. I'm mm-hmm. such a fucking prude. And so I think that like you have good sex and good union and that happens in your lifetime and you find people that you're connected with. But I do think the idea that like we're all supposed to have sex and we're all connected in the same way is like, that's an illusion. Like many things are illusion. Um, and uh, and I'm all talk. Like, I yeah, I know. I, mean, like, I know. I, don't I, know. Know I could bring gonna... you to an orgy tomorrow. I know you're not fucking showing up. Hey, maybe I will, Mayor. Jeez. <laughs> maybe. So, like, do you know what I mean about that, though? Yeah. Like, I go back and forth, like, because there's part of me, too, that just wants to be, like, the sacred slut and, like, suck everyone's dick because I want them to feel loved and, like, because they do deserve love, you know? Like, they do. And, like, I want to make them feel good and whatever. But there's, like, a deeper knowing in me that there's, like, an authenticity, like, with the presence or with my presence there is an authenticity. Like yeah. that is required for me to even be present or whatever, and then it, um, and that, I really that's want, like an honoring of instinct. It's really hard because we have we're both Virgos, yeah, and the so Virgo goes back from virgin to whore, virgin to yeah. whore. Porno, the sign of porn. Yeah, we you know that. No, that's old Greek porno. Say more. It's just what it's called, <laughs> the, the sign of porno. <laughs> but really, like, we can be the most virginal of the signs and the, the most horrific. Yeah. And, like, you're like, I could invite you to an orgy tomorrow and you're not going to come, but that's how back and forth I could be. Like, I might come. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I may come. I may make everyone come. I don't know. I don't know. I may be a unicorn. I may be double. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's so true. Like, in a way, I think I held to feel grounded in the world coming out of my family dynamic. I got in union right away. Yeah. And I was in one serious relationship for years. So in a way, it's like I could go to an orgy tomorrow because I'm just sexually like finding myself. Yes. And that's kind of what Horopod is, is me sexually finding myself and healing myself on a galactic level and sexual level. Yeah. And I think that the partners that are naturally gravitate towards you are going to heal you sexually on a galactic level. And that's why you're sexually attracted to each other is literally like you have these karmic resonances or dissonances or untied ties that like oh my god like we can burn each other's edges like we can complete the loop so for some people maybe that is just a singular person in a lifetime but for a lot of people it's a lot of different people in a lifetime that you're going to connect with and want to like work out that like special yeah that seems way more scary than a group of witches showing up and fingering me yeah, we could also do that, though. Like, don't count me out of that if that's what you want to be doing. I don't doing. know if I can do that either. <laughs> like, I feel like I could be making tea, you know, for yeah. this ceremony while other people are doing that. Like, okay. I could doula it. What if we were in, like, a giant, 
circle giving each other head like no fingers were involved oh god just I, just circle. If I, can, I can't even look at you when you're saying I know. it I, know. I feel like you're really good at reading people's sexual energy aren't you i am yeah what does mine say kindergarten teacher <laughs> prude <laughs> child <laughs> Is it that funny, Mare? <laughs> well, um, just like you, it's harder for you to tap into people that aren't like tapped into themselves. You're very tapped into your own sexuality, but you're also tapped into your mutability of your sexuality being a Virgo, meaning like you are a shapeshifter somewhat in that realm. It's not like you have a stagnant role of like, this is how I want to show up in the sexual realm all the time. And there's a certain openness I think that you're aware of about it. Um, uh, and that means like, depending on the, people that you're around like you'll want to show up differently like for that role you know yeah um but yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel as like defined as this thing you're like you don't have a thing that you're seeking or that you're looking out for you know Mm -mm. you're you're definitely uh yeah yeah we could (laughs) (laughs) we can't you know this vibe just depends on if i wake up as the virgin or the whore exactly in the morning yeah but I've leaned heavily towards the virgin. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I think my sexually, sexuality is also something I've like deeply claimed as my own. So I never really experience it with the other. Yeah. So sometimes people don't even really feel it from me when they're next to me because I've harnessed so much of my sexuality for what I create in the world, for what I manifest, what I build, like the crazy timelines I get on is because I funnel my sexual energy through that. But I don't think that's necessarily healthy because it's it's not as expansive. I think it is. Well, it is. I it, think it is. And I feel, yeah, like I feel you're very, you have a lot of sexual energy and you've definitely spent a lot of time channeling it or funneling it. Uh, but again, it, it like, it calls back to this, like you understand there's an openness about it. Like, you hold this energy, and yet, like, you could throw it here, and you could throw it there, and you're not bound by a set of, like, desire rules, you know, or expectations. of. Yeah. I always do think people think I'm more sexual than I am, though. There yeah. is, like, this ginormous wall, too. Because it's, like, I I don't know how to embrace the other with it. Yeah, well, you just kind of said that, which is interesting to me, like... Because I think of myself as pretty self-sustaining sexually, too. Uh, but the way that you said it almost was like, you don't want it. Like, the the act of somebody else being involved is, is very, very vulnerable. And you want to come off as, as, like, not needing it. Like, self-sustaining. Yeah. Yeah. And not just come off as self-sustaining. Like I just explained, I had all those long-term relationships because there was part of me that thought I would die if I wasn't in union with someone. Yeah. Like I really was so scared of being alone. Yeah. And when I would do mushrooms or acid, I just saw myself like so scared of being alone. Yeah. Like deathly scared and and truly believing. Like I remember I did it with the partner I was with for so many years and I was like, it is so hard for me to imagine you loving me. Like, it's, like, yeah. literally so hard. Like, yeah. I can't fathom someone actually loving me. Yeah. I'm starting to, but, yeah. like, it was, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. And... Yeah. 
and, and when you talk about like how we have sexual desires for someone because we might be working out something with them on a galactic level i think yes. it's really cool how you said that yeah there's still this just deep belief that no one is sexually attracted to me yeah like i really believe no one will be yeah, it's a receiving energy in the sexual realm because I also feel this like service energy, which I can feel from a lot of women. And it's not that you want to be a sub role at all. It's just that that's the energy I pick up from you because the receptive energy is the one that's more closed off as far as uh, how she wants to play in that realm. Because, yeah, to you, there's something less vulnerable about like the giving of it versus the receiving of it. Well... What you're saying energetically makes a lot of sense, but I'm just a real receiver in the sack. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm not performative at all. Yeah. Like, I wish I was. Yeah. Like, I'm jealous of, like, my friends who are, like, really great at giving head, you know, yeah. and, like, can get real sexy. Yeah. I love them. Like, I love that. But yeah. I get more scared about performing. Yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. feel like I'm bad at it. <laughs> I I know I'm not logically, and I know I've had, like, amazing... I'm, like, so embarrassed. I sound like a seven-year-old. No, you don't. (laughs) I mean, before I had sex with Sean and Cass, I don't know if I told you this, but, you know, I didn't have sex with somebody for a long time, like, three or four years or whatever. And I was petrified, terrified that I would be terrible at sex. Yeah. Mainly because my... Since the last time I had made out with somebody or even sucked somebody's dick, my face got paralyzed. So I didn't even know if it would work well enough to like have the suction work. Like I was like very paranoid, like <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. But yeah, um, it's one of those things where again, like presence, like all you have to do is be intuitive and be present. And everybody is both of those things. And it's such a silly thing that we even, it, cause it is a performance. Like I can stand, uh, so it's like so annoying because it's a Libra about everything. I really can't stand on both sides of that coin with sex. Like, is it a performance? Is it not a performance? Cause like everything in life is a performance in one perspective. Cause like everything is a stage, but at the same time, like it, there's beyond the person that's standing in your way with your personality. Like everybody's good at sex. Like everybody can listen, you know, it's the fear that gets in the way. Like the fear that, of how you're going to be received or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what my love is for the energy of submission. Yeah. But I do like it. Yeah. Unless it's fake. Yeah. Like, I hate when a guy yeah. just starts trying to, like, choke you or pull your hair. Because he's like, this is what I saw in porn. And, like, it's... Now yeah, you're my but really sub. energetically, he's like the sub of the dynamic. Yeah, and he's like, hold me. Yeah. <laughs> love me. Yeah. Yeah. I love bodies, you know? Like, I truly do love bodies and the energy they carry. And I love holding people's bodies. I want to say I love bodies, and I grew up very embodied. Um, but... Bodies don't necessarily excite. Um, yeah, bodies don't excite me in the way I thought they would. Like, yeah. there was a time I was like, am I gay? Am yeah. I asexual? Yeah. Because I would see how people would get turned on, and I'm like, that does not turn me on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it would, I would almost be scared because I couldn't be turned on the way everyone else seemed to be. Yeah. No, I can relate to that really heavily. <clears throat> there's some specific names that scientists have come up for it but yeah I, bodies don't excite me the 
aura within the body or around the body that the body's in, the psyche in the body. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, something to really play with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I embodiment is obviously a big part of presence and we're definitely in an airy, headspacey time. Well, speaking of coming together, we do have Venus and Aries, which can make it a little bit hard to come together. Um, that being said, coming together can be very fire and fun under Venus and Aries. Lots of like fast flings, very exciting, lusty energy. But Venus will move into Taurus on the 28th, and that'll be pretty helpful with what we're talking about as far as embodiment. I think any time Venus moves into Taurus and you get into your senses a little bit more, you come into appreciate having a body is a little more in the human experience. And not just other people, of course, like with yourself, it's just as important. Um, appreciate the tomatoes and the lemons. and The simplicity. Yeah. Clarity. Yeah. Simplicity. Yeah. Simplicity in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Psychic Thunderdome. <laughs> yes. Mayor. Thank you for being on. Yes. Thank you. An honor's pleasure. For sharing your beautiful nest. Yeah. And your beautiful dog. And your beautiful music. And thank you for sharing song with Horpod. Yeah. Where can people find you? Do you want people to find you? They can't. They can't. Mare is going into her Saturn return. <laughs> you will not be able to find her. She will not be in New York City. <laughs> yeah, I'm in cocoon phase. Yeah, you're in cocoon phase. And you're aware of the blessing and curses of others. Yes, very much so. I'll be ready to flap my wings at some point. Yeah, I just got out of my cocoon. Yeah. We all like it's cool to honor each other's phases and not feel like we have to be at the same phase yes. at each time. Yes. But support each other in the phases. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for supporting the butterfly yeah. version of chapter. The butterfly version of me. Yeah. Twenty five degrees Aquarius. A dancer's legs quivering in the night remembering a dance. A spiritual mustache. Or <laughs> <laughs> A butterfly with the right wing more formed than the left. So there's your butterfly metaphor. That's what's happening in the sky right now. So I'm going through. That's what Lacey's headed towards. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.